0: Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of December 12, 2011. This is episode 130. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. With me today are... Is Jackie Rataco, account coordinator with Interval. And Adam Meyer,
1: creative director at Interval. Hello, Jackie. Hello, Adam. Hi. Hi there. How are you guys? Good, except Andy. I've got caramel in my teeth. I got it. I think. Mm. Awesome. It's good. It's a. That how do you pronounce that Twix? Ghirardelli. Ghirardelli oh. car- caramel. How do you pronounce Twix? If you buy Ghirardelli chocolates, <laughs> you probably say car- caramel and not caramel, right? Caramel sounds. Way I should probably air. also eat it with my pinky out.
0: Because it's but, caramel. It's caramel, right? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I normally say caramel. I'm just being... Is there, Is there a, a p- difference between Caramel and Caramel? Are they spelled differently? They I just, don't think so. I don't think you so. You just have to eat Caramel with your pinky out. And not to be confused with Carmel, the fine seacoast town on California shore. How about yeah. Caramellos? Remember those? Car- oh, those Caramellos. Caramellos.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are awesome. player,
0: Anthony Carmelo? I have no idea. Yep. We're All talking right, about, about candy. Carmelos.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah,
0: they're kind of... Those are like... Um, Aren't they like little chocolate covered caramel? Um, what would, shape would that be? Like a dot, but chocolate. It's a dot shaped, exactly. It's what, not square. What, what you talking about? They're like Rolos. In... Oh, okay. Now we're thinking, talking about Rolos. Rolos. Yeah, Jackie's Right. This is like a full candy bar. Oh, yeah. long. <laughs> How about that? Let's give let's give a round of applause to Rolo advertising because we could all probably Rolo's are awesome. Do, do you like remember their stuff? I like again? me a Rolo. Do I remember? Or what? at least like the jingle from <clears> their ad? No. Oh well, I guess they don't get around to plot It was before, <laughs> before your my time. time. You Weird, can roll never a Rolo happens. to your pal. It's chocolate covered caramel. You can roll a Rolo to your pal. <laughs> Is it caramel cow. or caramel? That, well, that's not the song, right? Roll a, roll a, it doesn't sound very good when it doesn't rhyme. You can't roll it to your pal. And it's yeah. got to be your pal. It's not a very catchy tune. Her well, Manusius I didn't you sing it. Real milk chocolate, all rolled together. Rolo.
1: You can roll a Rolo to your friend. I vaguely remember a rollo. You can roll a Rolo
0: to yep. your pal. It's chocolate covered caramel.
1: That's better. <laughs>
0: <Well>, let <laughs> out <laughs> with it. See, round of applause. That's pretty good. That stuck with me. What if it stuck with other people? Let's we'll see if
1: we can dig up the old ad. We'll post it. Yeah, it's probably on YouTube. On on. Mm, what would we do without
0: YouTube? God bless YouTube. I don't ever go to YouTube ever. Me either. Okay, Nah, that's an exaggeration. I go to <laughs> I go to YouTube. Perhaps once one or two months.
1: Yeah, but how often have you seen a video that somebody embedded somewhere? Probably a lot more often than you think. You just don't realize it. True, but does that require YouTube? If the youth, if the video is hosted on YouTube and embedded from YouTube, then yes, it requires. No, but couldn't they
0: host it in other ways? I mean, it's not like yeah, you need they the could. But YouTube place. is kind of the de facto video hosting place. You're just saying I'm old. I yes. think there are plenty of people though who go to YouTube <laughs> and just peruse for videos. Yes. I'm sure this is the case.
1: Yeah. Well, you That's can some funny yeah. stuff out there. Though. I subscribe to a number of YouTube channels. Wow.
0: You're my hero. <laughs> uh, there's some
1: really creative stuff on there. Surprised you guys are not. Uh, well, have we, you ever we, seen, that'll be a good show topic maybe at some point.
0: Have you ever seen the hippopotamus with noodles on his back video? Let's not go there. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we could. Do well, a it's year good. End, Everyone, look it up. We could do a year-end deal with our top ten favorite YouTube yeah videos. Oh, I don't. Okay. Yeah, maybe. We'll Hippopotamus with noodles on his back. I remember when I first got on YouTube, I looked at all the <coughs> funny videos like the Gooma Guma guy or whatever. Numa Huma, Numa? Numa Numa, whatever. Some of those classics. And then that was the last time I went on there. Other, Unless I was directed, and that's still not very often that I know of. Okay. Anywho, <laughs> Applause to YouTube. <laughs> so uh, just keeping in our our pre-New Year's resolution for 2012 – I came across an article on ACOs. I love the enthusiasm of this headline. ACOs are bursting out all over. <laughs> hey, is so should good. do a musical. Reminds me of that
1: um, Jon Stewart skit where he was talking about uh, how the media, just in, in, in bloggers, like in general, have this tendency to just over- use these glamorous words to try to make things into some bigger deal than they are. Like he was using the examples of like politicians being eviscerated by this or that. I don't know if right. did you see that one. Right. Yeah. I just kind of, I mean, bursting is a little less, bursting uh, out all over. you know, not quite as bad as eviscerate, but it's like kind a of the bad
0: same. form of acne. ACOs are bursting out <laughs> oh, all over. <nasty. laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is from, uh, Kaiser health news and it's called their capsules. Capsules is the name of the blog. And it's reporting on a study by Levitt Partners, which is a consultancy, Uh, and what they say is ACOs, as defined by the 2010 healthcare law, are a delivery model that offers doctors and hospitals financial incentives to provide good quality care to Medicare beneficiaries while keeping costs down, okay? Mm -hmm. But that program hasn't even launched yet, and already there are 164 quote-unquote ACO entities in the country, according to the Levitt report. To get their count of ACOs, Levitt partners examined news releases, media reports, trade groups, and conducted interviews, and considered a health system to be an ACO if it either self-identified as one or was, quote, adopting the tenets of accountable care, unquote. Now, I will read a comment to encapsulate my thought on that. From Steve in Dallas this isn't a graph of ACO implementation. This is a graph of ACO declaration of ACO implementation. It would be great to see a graph based on surveys of meaningful implementation, similar to the meaningful use gauge for EHR. So his point is, just because someone says they are accountable care doesn't mean they are. And we've already actually encountered that and discussed some of that in our podcast previously about how some folks are just tacking that into their health system description. And really, either nothing has significantly changed or Mm -hmm. it doesn't really meet the criteria. True criteria. Because some people were saying that and they were using the capital ACO, like this is healthcare, you know, this is from the healthcare reform, um, meets that definition before the guidelines were even out. So that to me is like, how in the world are you considering yourself something when you don't even know how to define it? Um, so anyway, but you know, just keeping in line with health reform. I'm know mm-hmm. how many people out there who listen to us. Um, well, I imagine most of the people listening to us have a system, work at a system, that is considering the development of some kind of integrated system or SEO model. right? Uh, and then I would put that at like maybe 75%, maybe 90, somewhere up there. And then the number that are in the process of Developing and rolling one out is probably drops below half, somewhere in there. Uh, and the number who actually participate or have one that exists is probably 10 to 20%. And that's just, those went not up to 100, by the way. It wasn't supposed to. <laughs> that's just off of the top of my head my from maths. what I've seen and heard. So it might be completely what? What's a good word? Wrong. Pulling it out of your Never. superfluous out of your super anal injected <laughs> is that what you're trying to say I'd pull that, it right out of that the Elkirk, right, right out of the nether regions <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad but it might turn out the the actual numbers might be yeah that way okay so anyway <laughs> good word I think we've got a good show word. title <laughs> now I'm paying attention yeah yeah after the, the show title before that some of the people that repurpose our podcast had to change yeah what the heck the pre-used panty <laughs> What? What? (laughs) Apparently that's not PC in all arenas. Okay. So next we want to talk about websites. We haven't talked about websites in a while, have we? Well, we do all the time, just not on here. Not on here. I think the last time we talked about it was when we did that kind of really raw analytical review of like the top 100 hospitals based on Thomson Reuters. Mm -hmm. And we looked at their home pages Mm -hmm. and we counted up, the links off the homepage. And huge variation. Some people, I think, I can't remember what the top one was. It was like 174 links or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And our point in that wasn't that, hey, if you you have too many links, then you're bad. It's There was a correlation in our mind between too many links and bad design. Yeah, And kind of the idea that, um, you know, we all think that as a whole, hospital and health system websites traditionally have been confusing and cumbersome and complicated mm-hmm. for users, right? And a big reason for that <clears throat> is the fact that hospitals feel the need to provide all information to all audiences at all times. All the time. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And that becomes particularly problematic cumbersome. on the homepage. Yeah. When you're trying to just say here's everything,
1: right? Or and if you're it, trying to create some complex navigational structure that stays consistent throughout the whole site, offering everybody access to everything at all times. Right.
0: Right. So, and I think when we talk to clients, I think there's a number of reasons for that. One is it's just almost, it's that misplaced logic that if something's important to somebody, if you put it up front, that helps. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a vacuum, that makes sense. But when you have limited real estate, theoretically you have limited real estate, on a homepage, certainly you can go down as far as you want. And Adam, you may talk about how it's fine to go further down. But certainly I think you would agree that the further down you go, the less likely people are to see what's there. Yep. So you do have somewhat limited real estate. Uh, and so if you just pour everything into, you know, everything for everybody on the homepage, then nobody finds anything. Yeah. And I think last time we talked about this, we talked about some of the research that showed that uh, consumers get overwhelmed by choice. So you think intuitively, like Crest providing eighteen versions of their toothpaste is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So now we've got one for everybody. And instead, what happens is you walk up to the Crest section and your mind freezes because you're like, "Do you want the anti cavity? Yeah. Do you want the tartar control? Do you want tartar control? Do you want the tartar control slash anti cavity slash whitening. Glass, tooth whitening?" Yeah. And, I and, struggle with that. And you you literally you freeze up. I mean, it happens to me all the time because you're like, well, if I get that, but then I don't get that. And, and, and I read just, something bad about this one. It's you're ridiculous. not supposed to do and then this then you spend in your mouth. 10 minutes yeah. in the toothpaste aisle? Yeah. And there's been studies that show, that study I referred to before showed how they put on an end cap jams, a selection of jams or jellies or whatever, and they had like three dozen. And then they, then they replaced the end cap like the following week with three and the, the volume of sales, you know, the same number of jellies, just the selection was three instead of 30 or whatever. Right. And the the end cap with only three selections sold far more because mm-hmm. people were like, bip, 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 you know, right. grape, strawberry, orange, boom, I'm yeah, gone. I believe And that. I don't have to stop and think. And literally right. people don't, they just move on. they just like, okay, I give up. I'll get toothpaste later. So anyway. <laughs> I don't need to brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Through that. So... <laughs> So when we talk to folks about this kind of dynamic, there's some things that we emphasize in general. I'm just going to kind of walk through these. And then Adam, I want your perspective on this because you're our, you're our interactive. What about me? Sherpa. Well, you too. Jackie. You're no Sherpa. Okay. I, I'm no Sherpa. No, you are. You're a Sherpet. Sherpet. Yeah, a Sherpy. <laughs> so the first thing we always try to force people to do is when thinking about designing a website, and this should be, any marketing endeavor, um, but it's prioritize your audiences, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the pressure to, like, provide everything to everybody. That's one of the reasons you see websites you do. Mm -hmm. The other is because you can, frankly. You can, you know, make navigation lists that are 30 items long. You just add one more item, you know, why not? Let's just add another one on there. Right. Um, There's room. There's room, right? So if you can prioritize your audiences down to – three top audiences and we've said that to clients and and they've like wigged out like "Ah," (laughs) when you think of like patients you think of uh and this is for your overall website your organization website so patients maybe patients to be your prospects so people that aren't in your aren't currently customers but they're looking for help and then joe public uh who really isn't Looking for help, but you might be able to attract your website for other reasons if you're smart as a marketer. Those might be three great examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks sometimes will talk about physicians. Do they need to be job um, seekers, a top party job employees. seekers? Though we would typically would say not job seekers, not employees, and not because you know everybody says well the number one visitor to any hospital website is seeker. a job seeker or an employee if if that's the access. But that doesn't mean you then dedicate all your real estate and your focus of your website to those audiences. They're what we would call motivated audiences. They're gonna find the information if they're looking for a job. So uh, you're trying to think about the people that drive your business and how you compel them. So if you can, prioritize your audiences as much as you can. Doesn't mean you you can't address other audiences even on the homepage it 's just who gets more prominent attention mm-hmm. uh, and then Adam, you mentioned this before the idea of thinking about your <clears throat> thinking about well if if we 're saying that you don 't have to provide everything to everybody everywhere, think about your site once people are in it, what are they there for, and that will help you limit that problem of providing everything to everybody so right. if somebody's in um, a, your on the oncology section of your website. Do they really need immediate access to your cardiology section? Do they immediately need, um, you know, access to your jobs, right. to uh, your foundation? Mm-hmm. You know, those are things, you, decisions you can make without making blanket decisions that okay, all those things have to be accessible to everybody. Uh, and then, obviously, once you can make those decisions, you can make the content, the navigation, and everything that you're doing very relevant to those people. Right. Uh, and, again, that helps cut away the secondary, non-essential things. So right. those are just some general things. But, you know, Adam, I know that there's a book that you – I think you've mentioned on this podcast. Mm-hmm.
1: More than likely. I mean, it shaped a lot of my views on <clears throat> web usability, and it's you know, widely considered the kind of the, the Bible of web usability. Um. And that's uh, uh, Steve Krug's "Don't Make Me Think," which is a, which is a really good book. Uh, the I think I still have I have yet to update to the second version. Of the, the the I had the first version, which was a long time ago. Man, that was probably like twelve years ago. Now uh, I'm guessing that that one came out. I think the second version has been out for a few years. Um, but even if you even if the first version is the one you had your hands on it's information that's just it's kind of timeless i think no matter where the web goes um this type of information and the advice offered is is more about you know it's less about exactly how you i mean there's there's advice in there that's you know about how where things maybe should reside on a page and that kind of stuff but a lot of it's just like philosophically why you're making the decisions you're making um so it's it's just a great resource to have on hand good book
0: Great book and the title's referring to you know it's a it's a first person title in other words, I'm a visitor to a website right The more you have to make me think about what I want or where to find it, the worse your website is mm-hmm. and so I think that the idea is that you got to put yourself in the shoes of your users and figure out based on analytics based on what you know about your your audiences what are people looking for and get them there as quickly as possible and then make sure the content they find is relevant to that, whatever that situation is.
1: Right, right. And I think the way the, the way that people mischaracterize that approach sometimes is that it's used as the justification for cramming a million links on the homepage. It's like, well, if, if I'm putting myself in the shoes of, of, of every possible user and thinking, how do I get them to this thing the quickest, um, then I need to have a link on the homepage directly to that, directly to this, directly to ev- every single option that somebody could want because that's how they're – well, then it becomes a sea of crap and you have to – try to right. swim through it me.
0: yeah <laughs> <My>.
1: <laughs> to find this link you know so what what ultimately can be can make a lot more sense and be much more efficient in terms of not making people think is a very clean homepage um that may add a layer of clicking to get to what people are trying to get to but is more intuitive it makes sense it actually gets them there quicker cuz mm-hmm. they'll 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 know intuitively right. oh I'm a patient or visitor that's where I'll click and the next, uh, the next layer is where they have options to get to their, you know, medical records or, or whatever it is that they're, they're looking for. So it obviously it all depends on your specific situation and what services you offer, um, whether it's on your website or in your facilities. So it's, it's, you know, it's what works for one health system isn't necessarily going to work for another health system. So mm-hmm. so it can also be tough to look at another hospital website or or health system website and say you know they're doing it well. That's exactly how we need to do it. Now in some cases maybe you can. You can get away with that, but in, in our experience, there's so many differences in terms of um, not just the services offered in, in the facility, but online that really shape the way
0: uh, that experience needs to be and for what that want, facility. For that, what you users. want to prioritize and and what your strategic vision is for the for the system, let alone your interactive online vision. So I think you know I I remember. I think still today you tell me this, Adam, if this is accurate. One of the things that gets kind of held up is this, um, like, a, it, it, what's the word I'm trying to look for? When something's just like, this is a given, and you don't screw with this, um, the number of clicks, right, it takes to get somewhere. So people will just use that as like, right. well, no, it took four clicks. That's too many, so we got to cut down right. to three. Right, right. So we're going to put this on the homepage, so it's one click. And that's where you know that kind of standard can be <clears throat> abused right. because you, yeah, you can you can put every link on the home page and then it's right. one click. Right. But good luck finding what you want. Yeah. What, Jackie? <laughs> I'm like choking on my own saliva over here, <laughs> Jackie. Just caught Adam me. Adam just made a funny noise into the microphone, <laughs> so I was giggling. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's all right. So anyway, <laughs> we just thought that would be. We've been talking with a lot of folks recently about that kind of stuff, and sometimes it's boom, people get it, and other times. It's not as intuitive, uh, and that's where I think things like this book is. Ha- anybody who's involved in mm-hmm. web strategy, web design—if um, you're a director of marketing you oversee the website or, or microsites or whatever uh, then it's it's something you might want to look into. Yeah, because we just really believe in a lot of philosophies, and, and in it, and it, there's just to us so much low-hanging fruit as far as improvement that could be had with hospital and health system websites mm-hmm. of just trying to cut the clutter and make it easy for people to get where they need to to get, so um, I think a classic example of this and we we joke about this, and um, you know I, I challenge folks to look on their website to see if they have this, but the idea of um, quick links. Or, you know, really important links. So right. you got all yeah. this crap on your own page and you got a box that's like, here's some really important links. I think you said at one point, if you need a quick links box, that is a sign of failure of your navigation system. Right. right. That you're not getting people where they need to get, where they want to get, or you want them to get them in an efficient manner. So you feel the need to slap on this extra, mm-hmm. well, oh, by the way. And, and, you know, sometimes those can be handled well if, the, if if the intent of them is to emphasize, like find a physician. Um, and you have that built into your normal navigation, but you want to really call that on the homepage. That's right. fine. But typically, these are like there's already like eight islands of navigation. There's the main navigation. There's the sub navigation, whatever. And this is just one more like oh, by the way, these are things that are Here's really another menu, right? Are right? Jammed in like on the right hand column, like three fourths of the way down. Mm-hmm. So it's usually a sign of failure of the of the navigation. And and I think a great analogy for this is wayfinding. I always think that that's something that you can talk to people about. And get out of the world of interactive and just say, look, you know, a lot of times what happens with websites is the same thing that happens with wayfinding. You start off with an organized system that's been strategic. And then things change over time. And when you're wayfinding, you start slapping new signs up. So you mm-hmm. imagine, like, you're standing at, like, a corner in a hospital. And there at some point in time, there was a really smart Hopefully, wayfinding system that pointed you in the right direction. But in the last five, ten years, you've added a new heart center, you've moved something, and now you've you know instead of redesigning, you've added on layers yeah. to that design. And at some point, either now or eight years ago, it becomes dysfunctional and ineffective as a navigation tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you really need to start from scratch. And websites, I think, the same thing happens. Yeah. You may have started in a good place. Uh, but over time, because you can, you add new things, you add the quick links, you emphasize this, you emphasize that, and pretty soon your homepage looks like a wayfinding signage with eight different styles of you know sign on it, and they're pointing different directions. And sometimes you've got repeated things, right? You see on your homepage, yeah, you've so got true. find a physician here, find a physician here, and find a physician over here, and they're all equally lost. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a it's a great analogy to think of. Obviously, yeah, it falls it down in some ways, but...
1: Yeah. Well, and one of the one of the great things about today is this, you know, this mentality of mobile first uh that you can really approach a lot of your uh, you know, your electronic communications with. Yeah. Especially your website. Um <clears throat> but thinking mobile really forces you to narrow down your your navigational structure uh to what's really important because obviously the horrible experience of so many hospital websites um home pages specifically don't Translate to mobile at all in their current, you know, in their current. You mean 174 format. links, right? I think how long you'd have to go, woof, 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 right, woof right, on your so, mobile
0: phone to get down to the bottom. So, I mean, yeah, if, you, if you
1: take the approach of mobile first and think, you know, what what do we want to offer here, or what what isn't what is critical to be offered here, and then step that backwards, you know, then then start thinking traditional uh, experience of a traditional website and, and, and justify the presence of anything else at that point. And also, when it, when you're thinking about mobile, don't make the mistake of thinking about mobile in terms of just people that are out and about. You know, as we've talked about a million times, probably on this show. I think, um, maybe it was just internally, no, not on the show. It. But don't get confused by mobile only being people that are like out and about. Um, mobile phones are redefining the personal computer. Look at your loved ones, how they would rather be using their phone when they're around the house rather than going to the computer to sit down. I mean, these are iPad or an iPad yeah, yeah. tablet. Yeah. Um, these devices are redefining personal computers and these are devices that people are not just using when they're out and about or when they're in your facility, when they're out looking for something, they're using them at home. Mm-hmm. These are the new personal computers. So don't make the mistake when you think mobile that you're just thinking, okay, well then we just need to have a map of our facility And a couple of the other listings think of how you're going to make your, your website experience, Mm -hmm. um, on those devices, not just thinking about, you know, people who are out and about and need
0: a few pieces of few few useful nuggets of information. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'd love to hear back from people on their thoughts on that particular topic. We got one more topic. Then we have some news. We have to let people know about before at the end. I I just think this is a fun thing to, to think about. Um, and that is the banning of hospital advertising. We've covered this before in the podcast mm-hmm. uh, relative to uh, a few things, but the one that stands out most glaringly, and I think this was in 2009, though that seems like a weird election year, but I do think it was 2009, there was a state legislator in Vermont who, as part of his election platform running, mm-hmm. for he was a candidate at the time, he wanted to ban hospital advertising. And this was when we were in the heat of the big national debate and discussion around healthcare. And his point was, look, our system is expensive. We don't have enough money for it. Why in the world should we be putting money towards something that doesn't deliver better care? And, you know, I think we won't get into the defense of why that's kind of put off other than this is a capitalist society and nonprofit or not. Organizations have the right to market themselves. And it's a free speech issue and all that kind of stuff. But here's kind of the new twist on it. Uh, This is from the Pharma Marketing Outlook. No, what is this? I'm sorry. The Medical Marketing and Media blog. And the name of the post is Pharma Marketing Outlook 2012. So this is about pharma. Uh, Let's see. You might not realize it, but if you work in the healthcare industry, particularly in biopharma, and even more particularly in marketing for a biopharma company, you've been printed with a giant bullseye. And so what it talks about is, man, the super committee. remember that? The super failure. The super failure committee, how awesome that was. All right, so anyway, the super committee was charged with obviously trying to fix the deficit. And so they were looking at all kinds of ideas, none of which obviously hit. Uh, but one of them was congressional super committee staffers were throwing around ideas, including deep cuts to Medicare, eliminating the tax deductibility of pharma advertising, and Part D drug rebates that pharma say amount to price control. So the, the key part of that that they were focusing on is eliminating the tax deductibility of pharma advertising. So that's very different than what we've heard before. Before we've heard, ban it. right? You can't do it. Uh, and that probably would never fly for the reasons we just mentioned. But um, it's certainly more conceivable that legislators at a state or a national level could – take away the ability to deduct advertising from healthcare care entities um, or from nonprofit entities. If you want to go that route, uh, it, it, because that would save the federal government or state government's money. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you would have to pay more in taxes on that money. Right. Uh, which then would have the impact likely of eliminating or drastically reducing that advertising mm-hmm. because companies wouldn't spend money on it if it wasn't tax deductible. So now that's pharma, but pharma is always kind of out in front because it's a much bigger target. Right. It really gets people tweaked at a regulator media kind of activist level. And in fact, in this state, three years ago, our former beloved governor, Tim Gov. Puente, floated TPA floated banning um, pharma advertising as part of his budget reduction, which of course went nowhere uh, but pharma was out. That kind of discussion was out in front of the hospitals. So now, it makes me wonder: do legislators pick up on the idea not just for pharma, but for hospitals or health systems? It's very interesting. Maybe, yeah. It's it's, it's interesting because I mean, what
1: defines? You really have to come up with some pretty solid definition of what constitutes advertising. advertising? Yeah. In that case, because there's, I mean. Is a brochure advertising? Is your website advertising? Right. Uh, you could certainly argue that both are. Um, are they useful? I mean, yeah, maybe you can log in and see your electronic medical records, but then you you force Google to not index hospital websites then at that point? 100%. Because, you know, just simply showing up in in search results mm-hmm. is... You know, probably a form of of making yourself visible there is advertising, right? You're putting yourself out there when people are looking for well, you. Well, and
0: you're just talking about channels, and you can right. talk about content. So, right. is yeah. promoting mammograms advertising? Right. Is promoting joint pain is seminars? Advertising. Advertising. Yeah, yeah, simply
1: letting people know that you've got a, a class coming up or a, a seminar on something.
0: Right, and that's where one mm. there, that's one big distinction, I think between pharma and health systems where the provider side, most people would agree that they have a role to play Mm -hmm. in the public in improving and maintaining public health. Right. So not just, you know, making money off of surgeries, but also, you know, they have to provide for the public health that nobody else does it, even if they don't get paid for it. Mm -hmm. So it's in their interest and everybody's interest that they're out there educating um, to talk about what we talked about last week, educating on things. Um, so, how would you stop that? Pharma doesn't have that role, really. Pharma is not expected, nor is med tech expected to educate people on staying healthy. But I think people would expect that of the provider sector. So, then what do you do? Yeah. I mean, do you ban that stuff? I don't think you could. I don't think anybody would think it's smart to ban public health messages. Mm-hmm. Right. So, do they not come from providers then? Or. I comes only from so we'll to the government out. in that case, or nonprofits that don't don't receive Medicare, like United Way or Planned Parenthood. I don't know if they receive Medicare reimbursement. Mm-hmm. I bet but, yeah. they do at some level. Yeah. Medicaid. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know the details of how they would actually work that out. But it seems like a <clears throat> it seems like a more attainable penalty. Speaking just banning it, than just yeah. saying, okay, well, you can do it, but you can't deduct, and then and then it still gets into, well, you can't deduct what, right, right, yeah, yeah. Speaking of searchability and
1: communications and things like Planned Parenthood, did you um, were you, did you follow it all in the news over the last few weeks? The whole uh d- deal with Siri and Planned yeah. Parenthood, yeah, all right. So Siri, Apple's iPhone technology. That uh, allows you to talk to your phone and have your phone tell you, you know, give you answers basically, and mm-hmm. be like an assistant. <clears throat> has pre has responses built in that she'll that she'll use. It'll it will use to questions that it just doesn't have an answer to in many cases, or just gener- generic responses. And in some cases, those generic responses are slightly inappropriate. Um, some and in some cases, it's, that inappropriateness is kind of funny. It kind of adds to the right to the. Uh, entertainment factor or value of having one of these devices anyway a uh, period but in the case of um uh planned parenthood i think the example that was used was they asked somebody asked siri where can i get an abortion right and siri returned the results of like i think she returned that there was like some plant parent planned parenthoods nearby or something like that and I then they also know. asked there was there's more to it they, they asked they asked siri what she thought of abortions or something and she had just use one of the generic responses that she'd probably use with almost any question. It was like, I have no opinion on that or something, something like that. But it really created this huge stir where people were like, all right, this is Apple's stance on abortion. And there were certain things you couldn't find related to uh, feminine needs. I think it specifically, mm-hmm. um, and it really became this big deal and it really mm-hmm. shone a light on, you know, it's, we're talking about search and communications and healthcare and finding being found on how this it's, just, it's, it's like, wow, this is a whole area I never even thought about before. I mean, talk yeah. about SEO and SEM and people finding you that way. And now
0: I think about just the very questions that people are going to be asking their devices. To, it seemed yeah, to be what people got up in arms about was, well, certain people, obviously, right. depending on what side of the fence you're on on that particular issue, was that it seemed like it was not just a random like it was thing. planned but it was it was planned not to on learn, <laughs> but it was planned to not be helpful in that area right, right. so it, it, it seemed to take a stance that this service is not going to help you with that so I don't know that it, it, if it gave Planned Parenthood or it wouldn't I, think, I can't remember what it was but one it, of the other that examples. was the inference mm-hmm. and, right. right. that was well, and
1: then somebody else said well Siri where can I get the morning after pill and didn't have like Planned Parenthood examples she just said well there's you know, these pharmacies close by, which is probably based on the fact that you said, where can I and the pill? Who knows? Having mm-hmm. nothing to do with, you know, what specifically you were looking for. Yeah. But it was just, it really is shines an interesting light on.
0: It is interesting. How
1: yeah. we as communicators and especially in the technology sector, like Apple are going to need to start thinking about that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, that could really
0: paint a big bullseye on you for yeah. in a really bad way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. All right. Just a couple more things and we'll be done. Um, we should have said this at the top of the hour, but I totally flubbed it. We'll just cut and paste in that. What did you flub? I flubbed our news section, which usually we try to get at the beginning before everybody leaves. But we'll say it now. So <laughs> if if you didn't come to our podcast through our website, if you get it on iTunes or whatever, come back to our website and check it out. We've got a new website. We'd love feedback on that. Uh, it's just a different kind of perspective on our approach to healthcare marketing. We're just being a little more explicit about it, I think is the best way to put it. But as part of that, we have a new video that we have posted, which we think is kind of fun, but also some good nuggets of wisdom in there. An animated (coughs) video we created about advertising. Mm -hmm. So definitely would love for feedback on that. And then we're also promoting some new work. We Did a fantastic campaign for a client on oncology. Uh, We've got a, a client who just launched a mobile website aimed at physicians uh, which we think they did a great job with that and then also another client who we did a, a website for that actually reflects a lot of things we talked about today mm-hmm. so you can find all those things on our new website go check it out check it out anything else should we cut her off i think so I'll Should we circumcise corn. this podcast <laughs> nice nice we touched on some third rails today Third rails? Yeah, circumcision, abortion, and something at the beginning. Oh, something about anal, anal ejection. Something. <laughs> We're gonna need to beep this whole podcast. We are, and just just because this reminds me of this. Remember when those fat-free chips came out with olestra? Oh, olestra, yeah.
1: Oh, they still have some of those. In the do you store, remember what you know? the
0: warning was? It's like explosive diarrhea or something. It's it? an yeah, anal
1: to, leakage. I'm pretty anal sure. Anal
0: seepage. <laughs> I think it was either anal seepage or anal <laughs> leakage. That was like a big deal at the time. podcast oh, like, oh, yeah. title. I was like, I'm gonna eat
1: these You're just, just sitting there at your desk in the middle. It's like, what is
0: that? What? Oh, oh. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Damn you, <old> Lestra <laughs> Hey, it's in the disclaimer. Okay, it's your we own cannot. Fault. We have to promise, Adam. You have to promise to not make any of these part of our title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many great show
1: title opportunities in
0: there. There is. There's a lot. I think we turn off more people than we turn on. Most likely. Seen. All right. So for Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards, this is Chris Bevelo,
1: Jackie Retacco,
0: and Adam Meyer. Catch you next time.